Now, after the death of Moses, the, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, and unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. When the prophet is departed, we don't mourn and become despondent. We arise and still possess the land. Let's just turn to the book of John, chapter 1. St. John, chapter 1, verse 29. It reads in this manner, if it is found. <clears throat> the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him. If you are spiritual, you know that the next day speaks of a new day. Are we together? That's why the Bible would want to emphasize that it was the next day when Jesus seeth, John sees Jesus coming unto him. And saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 35 in the same chapter. Again, the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. When did they follow Jesus? The next day. When they heard John saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples. And I wonder why would the Bible bring the numerical component in this statement? Why does it name that it was two? Hallelujah. Isn't it so that when you can say five people saw him, then you need, to be, you need to know that there were other, five, other people that were not part of the five that did not see him. Isn't it so? Amen. Are you here, church? Amen. If two saw him, that means there are others. That we don't know how many they were, but did not follow Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we are very much thankful. And by your grace, we are here and made it to church this morning. Lord, we are here because we know who we serve. We know who we, in whom we have believed. We know the message for the day. We know the tactics of the enemy. And Lord, there is nothing that you have not exposed in our time. And there is nothing that you have not revealed in our time. And Heavenly Father, the people are here expecting to hear you speak. Not a man speaking, although you will use the mortal lips, but however, people are not interested in the vessel. They want to see the one that will use the vessel. And I, for one, as well, this morning, much as I've been set aside as a vessel, 
I'm not so much interested in the vessel. I'm interested in the almighty God to take hold of the vessel and speak his unadulterated weight to the people, especially in this late hour. Lord, I've come to see and to acknowledge that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can make a believer to be an overcomer today outside the revealed weight of the hour. And I believe these men and women believe exactly the same thing, and their expectation is to hear the word of God. We live during a time where there are many voices, but right now we want the voice of God to be speaking to us. And Lord, so that when people leave this place, those that were weary may be rejuvenated. Those that were despondent may be discouraged. Those that were sick may be healed. Those that were lost may be found. That is the desire that we have for this service. And Lord, for every man and woman that made a sacrifice to make it to this place, may you honor their sacrifices, dear God. And Heavenly Father, their coming in should add value in their lives. That is my desire. That when they go back home, they should be better people. They should look at things from a fresh perspective. And they should even have more appetite for the word of God. That is our desire. And we say, Satan, some of them you may have tormented them, but I'm glad they have come to the right place. Because the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And at this point in time, in the name of Jesus Christ, may the Holy Spirit flow freely because the scripture says, where there is the spirit of the Lord, there is a liberty. May the people be liberated from their habits. May they be liberated from their bondage. Maybe they be liberated from their thoughts. That when we leave this place, everyone in their own right must be an overcomer. As we commit the reading of the way to you and commit the entire service to you for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And bless you richly. Uh, Brother Chetty and Sister Josephina are not feeling well. Just remember them in your prayers. Amen. I just forgot to relay the message to Brother Watt. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. I want to speak this morning on a very simple text, Turning the Corner. Hallelujah. Turning the corner. And this was quite influenced by several messages that the prophet preached. One of those messages, it was the junctions. Uh, another message, it was a junction. He, he preached quite several times showing about the junctions. Amen. But uh, I... I just want to extract the phrase where he said, turning the corner. Amen. That's what we want to speak on this morning. And even from the text that we have read, you realize that as soon as Moses, the servant of the Lord, was dead, God was turning the corner. Are you here, church? Amen. Amen. He says, my servant, Moses, is dead. Amen. That phrase on its own 
whenever there is a turning of the corner or whenever there is a transition, the devil deemed that moment to be an opportune moment to derail the people. Are we together? If the prophet of God comes and says, my servant Moses is dead, uh, some people, they can say, he's dead, then there's no more use of Moses. But later when you read and go down, it says, but Moses has left a book for you, Joshua. Don't go to the right, don't go to the left, stay in the middle of the road. Are we together? Uh, how many believe that our prophet has left the books for us? Amen. How many love those books? Amen. Amen. Those books have got uh, special secrets or uh, it would give you an idea of what to do when you approach a transition. Now, in the next text that we just read, then John sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And the Bible comes again and says again the next day after John stood, two of his disciples looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Are we together? And my question would be, what happened to the rest of the disciples that heard him speak but did not follow Jesus? Why were they so attached to John that they did not see the transition taking place? Amen. We know that uh, Brother Bram says the prophets are the signposts, isn't so? Uh, the signposts are there to give you a direction, and a lot of times you find the signposts, especially at the junctions. Uh, if you were to drive here to Pretoria or maybe to Johannesburg, maybe via Babs Fontaine, there's crossroads, there's two junctions. But what would give you the assurance that you are still on the right track? When you approach a T-junction, you will find a signpost that will either say Johannesburg left and it will say Delmas right. Are we together? But the problem is if you can get to the signpost and park there and debate with the signpost and undermine the signpost and, and maybe thought... What a, what, a, what a useless piece of metal that they just erected on the road. Uh, and if it says Johannesburg, you say, why should I follow the signpost? I'm going to go left. You're going to end up in Delmas. Are you, are you here, folks? You're going to end up in Delmas. Why am I saying that? The signpost is not meant to be undermined. And maybe just so that I can just tell you about a brother, friend of Brother Mpanyana. He made me laugh. He's late now. Uh, the other time he was driving, he says they were driving, and when they were driving, then they saw a chevron, is it a chevron, chevron sign? Is it so? Yes. Hallelujah. So as they were approaching the signpost, he says the driver said, to him, gee, this truck is driving very slow and they overtook what they deemed to be a truck. Later after they overtook, they realized that actually it was a T-junction. The chevron was not the back of the truck, it was the sign. And then they were just going downhill, but by God's grace they were preserved. Yeah. 
So what does it mean if you misinterpret the signpost? If you misinterpret the signpost, you, you, you might crash. Are we together? I hope those that are driving in the building have not bought their driver's license. If you have bought your driver's license, we can make a special altar call for you. <laughs> Amen. A believer, it does not supposed to, he's not supposed to buy a driver's license. Even if you fail it 20 times, but be honest and go back again and again until you get your driver's license. Because we live it during the time where you see how people drive on the road, you realize that this definitely did not come through the right channel, this driver's license. Are we together? But what I'm simply saying is that if you undermine the signpost, you either you're going to have a delay and, and, or if you travel on the road that does not have the signpost, it's what often causes a marital conflict. There's nothing that I know of that really causes marital conflict mm-hmm. like two couples that are not sure where they are going. Amen. Amen. Especially when a man is determined and adamant that, no, I know the road. And the wife said, but why don't we just stop at the filling station and ask for direction? The husband says, I've been on this road before. Uh, Because, we know, sisters, hear me out. When, when, When you say to your husband, ask for directions, how they decode it for them is no longer about driving on the road. They simply say, if she does not trust me to take her to where we need to go, how will she trust me to take her where we need to go in terms of life? And sometimes it triggers uh, an undesirable responses to the husband. But later, as we know, not long, while the husband is quite sure that he, he knows the road, and he says, no, I've been on this road before, they reach the dead end. And when they reach the dead end, the man is no longer speaking. He just says, as well, I'm getting confused. <laughs> Are we together? And I hope navigators have resolved a lot of issues. But it simply tells you that when you drive on a place where there are no signposts, you cannot have the certainty that you are going to arrive where you are going. And scripturally and spiritually speaking, the prophets throughout the ages are God's signposts. Hallelujah. Uh, actually, there is a phrase where God says you must follow Joshua because you have not been through this road before. So that means when they were supposed to leave Egypt, they did not know which way Canaan was. It's only Moses that knew where Canaan was. So they had to follow the signpost. And the signpost during the time, it was Moses. And to bypass the signpost, either you were not going to arrive or you were going to get lost in the wilderness. Isn't so? Are we together, friends? Now, when we speak, I'm going to use junctions. I'm going to use turning the corner. I'm going to use change of dispensations. I'm going to use those phrases interchangeably to drive my message home, but it's more or less the same thing. The prophet of God in the message, the end time evangelism, paragraph 143, he says, it's always, friends, the leaders, each time through the change of this dispensation, has got the people all messed up. 
It hasn't been so much the people if the gospel would have stayed in the pulpit where it belonged. Do you hear what the prophet says? During the change of dispensations, it is not the people that mess up. It's actually the leaders that really mess up. But I will tell you why is it the leaders that mess up, especially during the transition. Whenever God puts a system in place, a lot of time that system would be linked to personalities. It starts being a godly-driven system, but later the personality and egos get involved, and that is why when God comes and says it's time to change the system, it becomes problematic. Are we together? Maybe let me give an example of what I speak about. It was God's way that if you had sinned, you would take the lamp and take it to the temple for it to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of your sins. They had been doing that throughout the book of uh, Old Testament. But when the Messiah was born, we were now moving from the dispensation of law to the dispensation of grace. But imagine uh, until it came to a point where the priest thought that in order to make it convenient for the people, maybe we should, we should have a merchandise where we sell the lambs and we sell the doves so that people can access these things better. Isn't it so? But Jesus went there and said, now you have given, you have taken what God has granted to his people and now you are deriving monetary value out of it. And that's when he shambocked them. So you get a sense that those priests were not interested when the, the change was coming because the change it meant that you no longer went to the temple. You can kneel down wherever you were and speak to the almighty God directly. Are you here, folks? But uh, when it removed the human element, obviously it traveled to the leaders of the time. And that is why Catholicism, it was a way of trying to restore the system that God had done away with, where you've got to come to the priest and confess your sins and even charge you money for the forgiveness of your sins. There is only one person that can forgive sins, is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll repeat that so that it can sink in. The church does not forgive sins. The pastor does not forgive sins. The bishop does not forgive sins. There is only one man that can forgive sins, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And while I need to, maybe I need to throw it in, there is no sin that is too dark for him not to forgive. Amen. Hallelujah. With humanity, if you speak about things that you have done, they may get to the point where they say, mm, but God does not have the mm moments. Are we together? No matter how dark it is, no matter how, how evil and vile it is, the blood of Jesus Christ still has a remedy to forgive every sin this morning. I expected a better amen than that one. The devil must never hold you from that. Hallelujah. And that's what we call the good news. To know that uh, despite my background, despite where I come from, despite what I've done, there is a place that I can run to and every sin can be forgiven. Hallelujah. But the opportunity or the ball, as they say, it is in your court. Are you still with me? Now, in the message, the revelation or the series of, on revelations, paragraph 169, the prophet says, now my precious brother, uh, you know, when, when, when you, even in your life, you've got some junctures. 
when when you when you have a boy that is a toddler there are things that you say to a toddler and as soon as they transition from being a toddler and they become what uh, maybe a boy hallelujah uh, there are things that you would say to that boy and when they transition from being a boy to being a young man there are things that you say to a young man and when they transition from being a young a young man to being an adult there are things that you say to them as a man isn't so that's why paul says when i was a child i spoke as a child but now because i'm a man i speak as a man isn't it so so what is, and, and what is brought confusion in our time is because uh, our generation would want to teach the toddlers the things that should be taught to the adults. Uh, are you here, friends? Uh, let me tell you, parents, uh, the world is exerting pressure on you uh, to teach, and they say you need to speak to your children about sex education. And they've introduced it. Uh, let's say maybe before, I, let me just detour a bit. Have you picked up that ever since they introduced sex education in the schools, principals and teachers are caught sleeping with learners? Uh, are you here? Uh, do you see those things in the media? It tells you that the remedy is not sex education. The remedy for the generation and the remedy for our children is unadulterated word of the living God. Are you here? And let somebody say, what, a, what, a, what an oxymoron. Because our generation takes out the Bibles out of the schools. Do you know that if now, if I want to speak to the students at any of the schools, it is difficult to get access to the kids. There's a lot of scrutiny that goes into it. But have you realized that if today, if I was going to speak to the prison warders and I say, I'm Pastor Mariva, I'm coming, they are the first one to say, when can you come, Pastor? But, but why do we wait for them to land in prison before we tell them about the wait? Hallelujah. We need to tell them about the weight. It will prevent them from going into prison. And folks, even in the message, I had much better drive it. The tapes is still the remedy. Amen. Amen. I hope you are with me. Now, I was saying, when, when, when there is a transition, maybe your, your child is transitioning from being a young man, or maybe just before, the Holy Spirit would want me to say this. When, when parents, when you, when you buy your children the gadgets, uh, it's good maybe you want them to experiment, whatever, but uh, responsible parenting is that never leave anything unmonitored. Are you here? Uh, just, uh, just, just to open Google. As you, I don't know how many have picked up these things. We call them uh, search engine optimization. How many have picked up that once you go on Google and maybe you look for a school, every time you go on the internet, there's adverts of schools that come up. How many have picked up that? You will want something, maybe a hair product, and you Google it, 
all of a sudden it's like somebody knew you were looking for it, then the email started coming into your inbox that are hair related. It's because uh, this thing in the background, they are optimized. But uh, I'm not on that. I'm here whereby if your child opens a website, there may be an advert that pops up on the screen, which may be X-rated, meaning an adult content. And your child does not know anything, he will click on that. And before you know it, I hope you are not looking surprised. 35% of children are exposed to pornographic material around the age of nine years. So, so do you see the type of generation that we are raising? And, and if you are going to make television or the internet to babysit your child, you, um, I've got uh, bad news for you. You may be in more serious trouble than you realize. Uh, are you here? Uh, it looks like I'm speaking to people that are surprised. Uh, pedophiles, the people that uh, target young girls sexually, they get them on the internet. And uh, have you seen that the number of young women missing in this country has skyrocketed? Where do these people find them? It's because your identity is so available online until even people can track your movements. And our young people, because parents during our time, they no longer take an active role. They've delegated parenting to Mr. Television or Mr. Google, but Mr. Google is going to mess up your child. Are you here? Amen. We need to speak about these things. Amen. Even cartoons. Even I don't know why the Holy Spirit would want me to go there. Even cartoon, you find that there is a homosexual cartoon. Why are they? They want to sensitize your child that this is an acceptable way of living. And later you you wonder when your child reaches 21 and the child turns around and says, as James, I have met John and I want to get married to John. And you are shocked, but you don't know that when the child was still small, you said, we don't want to bother the children. Let's give them access to whatever they want access to. We don't want to oppress them. Folks, we are living during a dangerous time. It needs believers that are alive let and agile and can run ahead of the devil. Amen. I had to go there. Amen. Now, when, when you are a mother, you have a child that's about to reach a transition. There are certain, especially maybe if they say she's going to get married, the information that you used to withhold, you want now to release it as much as you can. Isn't it so? Because why? The reason you can't hold yourself is because you are reaching a junction in her life and you realize that if she was to approach that junction with limited information, a lot of things can go wrong. Now, spiritually speaking, I was looking at Brother Brenham when he came onto the scene, how he interacted with religious people and he was accepted everywhere where he went. But it was quite amazing that even the full gospel businessmen would sponsor his meetings and invite him to come. But in one of their meetings, he says, now my precious brother, he turns around to the brother that was hosting him. I know this is, all, this is, a, a, this is a tape also. 
Don't get excited. Let me say this with godly love. The hour has approached where I can hold still on these things no more. Too close to the coming. Trinitarian is of the devil. Uh, are you here, folks? This, this is a man that was being diplomatic and in the initial stage says, no, I, I, when I get invited, I only want to preach on things that we are we together? I want to preach on things that we agree on. But as soon as he realizes, he says, now we are too close to the coming of the Lord. I cannot hold myself and I cannot keep still anymore. Trinity is of the devil. Why? Why? Did he not care that he, he would not be invited back there? Yes, he didn't care. Because why? He realized that I've got so much that I need to warn the people about. And if I risk my reputation, if I risk the friendship, let it be so. And that's what happens when the juncture, the junction is approaching. Are we together? And he said, I say that, that says the Lord. Now, Brother Branham says, when you build, or even before I get there, when they built this build, very building, from there to over there, just before the first acoustics, before where the sound team is, it is a straight wall. They can even get any person, irrespective of who they are, as long as they are a brick layer. They can say, build this straight wall. Are, we, are you with me? And they can do the job. It's not difficult to build a straight wall. However, but when it comes to the sharp corners, even, even a tardy or a, 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 an inexperienced builder, you don't watch the, the wall. They can build the straight wall. But watch at the corner. And watch whether they can be able to maintain the corner from the foundation to the roof. Are you together? Why? It means that when, when it comes to turning the corner, not every person can turn the corner. And that is where people get exposed that he might have the qualification, maybe it's a board qualification, but it's only a mason, an experienced builder, that knows how to turn the corner. Hallelujah. Everyone can build a wall and say Jesus is the Savior. Anyone can build the wall. We are going to heaven. Anybody can build the wall. You must be born again. But when it comes to turning the corner to say what does it mean to be born again? It needs a mason. Are you here, church? If I was to go around the room or maybe to any person that is not exposed to the teachings of the prophet and I say, what does it mean to be born again? Some would say, I came to the altar when the preacher invited me to come to the altar. I raised my hand when I was invited to raise my hand. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ when they said I must accept him as my personal savior. It has nothing to do with that. Are we together? People come and accept him like that and they go back to their sinful way of living. So that means that there is a mystery of the new birth. 
But the mystery of the new birth, you cannot find it any other place. You've got to find it at the from the signpost of your hour. And the prophet is the signpost of your hour. You're here, church. All of them were saying, the Messiah is coming. Until Brother Brandman say, even false messiahs rose onto the scene. But he says, when John came and said, behold, hallelujah, the Messiah is coming. A vision shall conceive. That is a straight wall. But when somebody comes and says, that, that was spoken, it is now being fulfilled. It needs a mason to say, we are now turning the corner. And uh, when we're right at the juncture where the scripture has got to be fulfilled, you need a mason. Hallelujah. Because why? Everybody was saying, the Messiah is coming. They preached about it. And a generation after generation, they read the scrolls about it. They were looking forward to its fulfillment. But uh, let me tell you something. When that uh, juncture arrived, John, he says, even myself, I did not know where the corner was. I did not even know where we had to turn the corner until I saw the Spirit coming out of heaven in the form of a dove and it dwelt on him and this voice spoke, this is my son in whom I'm placed to dwell in. From that time, John could speak with certainty and say we have been building the wall but here is the turning of the corner. Behold the Lamb of God. Only two disciples realized that the corner had changed. You ask yourself, after John had introduced the Messiah, did they not continue reading in the scrolls in the in the tem- in the in the in the in the in the temple? They kept on reading. They kept on saying, hey, "Behold, a vision shall conceive." But uh, John knew that that's history. Amen. Hallelujah! There's a time when a prophecy becomes history. But the danger part is there are people that will continue without knowing that the prophecy has become history. I hope you are with me. Are we together? Now, this this is just a phrase or an extract from one of the builders where he said, framing a corner correctly is challenging. It can take time. And patience. Uh, I remember we once at my, at my mom's house, we got an unscrupulous builder. And this unscrupulous builder, you know how sometimes being cheap, cheap can be very expensive. See, Pastor Chitin is preaching in this church, cheap labor. Cheap labor can be very expensive. Amen. Because you get quotations, maybe three quotations. One comes and says, I can make these alterations. It's not a big deal. Uh, 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 I need 5,000 rents. And another one comes and looks at the same thing and says, 20,000 rents. And you being you, you say, 15,000 difference. No, let me phone. Uh, him, uh, this one of 5,000 will come and do it. Yeah. Hallelujah. And they come and do a shabby job. And thereafter, you've got to go back to the 15,000, 20,000 guy and plead your case. And they even need to change you, charge you more. Because now they need to come and correct what that man has done. 
So instead of 20,000, you end up paying 25,000 because 5,000 extra is to remove what this man had already done. Cheap doesn't always mean that is the way that you need to go. Uh, Are you with me? Now, this builder had come and we had engaged one of the experienced builders and this builder came and looked and gave us a quotation. It was quite very expensive and the second one came and it was extremely cheap. Then we said to the one that it was extremely cheap and said, how can we... And the cheap guys are always full of enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) And then those that are expensive, they speak in a... It's like they are arrogant. They just take a look and say, 30,000. You say, oops, 30,000. But but the the cheap ones, they will even say, "Ah, you find that they can even go an extra mile. No, 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 don't worry. So we hired this other one, and after we hired him, uh, and then he started, we just wanted him to do the two acts, especially in the front side. Now, the danger part was that one arc was, was already there. He had to do a new arc. Now, for him to do that arc, he had to break the wall. Now, as a, this was a very tall wall. As he was breaking the wall, because he needed to come up with it, as he was coming up with it, for him, he began to be scared. Because as he's breaking the wall, there's just a crack that shows up all the way to the top. Uh, experienced builder knows the difference between a cracked wall and a cracked plastering. So the man saw a cracked plastering and thought the wall had cracked, it would crumble. So we found that one arc was this high, another arc was halfway through, and they were next to each other. And, and he looked scared, he said, look at the crack, this house almost collapsed. But later we went back to get the maison. And when the mason came, he just looked at that crack and said, no, 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 you need not to worry. Actually, because he was hitting this, it's the plaster that has cracked. The wall is still intact. I can do this in no time. And he did that. That is the difference between a mason and an inexperienced builder. An inexperienced minister will look at somebody coming into church and say, it's fine the way you are. But a mason will say, it's a process. Let us deliver weight upon the weight. The weight will change this individual. Are we together? Because the mason, you you don't judge the mason during the process. You wait until the mason is done. And and he will actually, the real builders will tell you, listen, don't come here too often. I will give you the keys once I'm done. Are we together? But an experienced one, you need to be there because there's still cement. There's a lot of shenanigans that is going on. The same thing with the experienced churches. Are you here, church? You, they need to be overseen because a lot of time they will go back to the blueprint. Because why? And a builder, that is an, ex, that is an ex, inexperienced builder, will end up even arguing with the architect. Well, what went through your head? Do you think this thing can be done? It cannot be done. But the architect will say, I don't care. We'll even tell you, fire this builder and hire another one because we will not deviate from the blueprint. Hallelujah. The architect is God. 
this church, I need it in this way. I need it to believe this way. I need it to live in this way. And in experience, build a preacher. He comes around and says, it's difficult. It was during the time of Paul. And the Holy Spirit will fire that minister. And will raise the one that will go according to the blueprint. I hope you are with me. Amen. Now, the prophet of God says, or maybe before I get to there, even in this message, there was a time of transition. We've had many transitions, first pull, second pull, third pull. Now, Brother Brenham comes, and folks, when you love the prophet, Brenham says, if you love me, don't make me the savior. You make me an antichrist. Uh, isn't it so? That he even wanted to leave the field because people were beginning attempting to be baptized in his name. You'll always have that fanaticism wherever you find a genuine ministry. Brother Bram started preaching in 1947 in the message uh, is it faith is the substance? Amen. Right in 1947, and if you get to the, the very first phrase, it says, we are getting recording gadgets to make sure that these meetings are going to be on tape. And you, folks, to him much is given, much is required. The, the people during the time of Moses, after he had gone, they did not even know how the voice of Moses sounded. You are the only generation among all things that have ever been upon the face of the earth that have got the voice of their prophet on tape. Even the voice of Jesus is not on tape. But God allowed in this generation for the magnetic tape to be produced so that the voice can be recorded on the magnetic tape. So you had much better listen to that tape. Are we together? Now, from 1947, Brother Brandon comes in 1963, and he speaks in the message, the seven seal, three, two, seven. He said, maybe this ministry that I have tried to take people back to the weight has laid a foundation. And if it has, I will be leaving you for good. This is the prophecy. I will be leaving you for good. There won't be two of us here at the same time. Uh, Do you get where he's going? And he says, see, if it is, he will increase and I will decrease. I want to demonstrate this increase. Who is the brother that you are a tall man? Can you stand up there? Sometimes you've got to do a demonstration so that it can remain... Uh, I won't say who's shot. Brother Eric, oh. Brother Eric, amen. God bless you. Just go and stand where Brother Dali is. And Brother Dali, face the audience. Face the audience like this way. No, Brother Dali. And Brother Eric must be behind you. When Brother Eric is behind Brother Dali, you don't see Brother Eric. You see Brother Dali. Isn't so? 
And then if we were to say, Brother Dali must decrease, and you, you bend down, my brother. Then you see Brother Eric. Are you here? Amen. Now, however, for you to see Brother Eric, you've got to concentrate on Brother Dali. I, I, I don't know whether you, you catch it. If Brother Dali decreases, you don't look here at the piano. You keep on looking where Brother Dali was. Because behind him, there is somebody that is about to be increased. If Brother Bram said, I must decrease, you don't move attention from the prophet messenger. You keep on focusing where he was, and you will see the one that he was hiding behind. God bless you, brothers. Amen. I'm simply trying to drive it home that you don't say, the prophet is gone. We don't care anymore. We only care about Jesus. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. You need to focus where the prophet was. Because why? Right where he was. That is where your Messiah will come through. Are we together? Now, he continues. He says in this message, Christ is identified in... In all ages, or maybe before I get there, even musically, brothers, we will understand here. Even musically, in music, there is what we call modulation. Hallelujah. Modulation is when you change from one key to another. Are you with me? Maybe you start with the key F and end up maybe with key BB. Or C minor. Are we together? I'm just giving an example here. But for for you to know what makes music to be nice is not just one note throughout the song. There is a, a variation, changing transitions that take place within a song. Are we together? And, and, and because some of us, we just only listen for music for the sake of the sound of it. But somehow they listen to the music and understand the, the, the dynamics of, the, of these transitions in a song. Are we together? And, 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 and a song will start maybe on a lower key. And as they move, they move on to the higher key. There is modulation in the process. Are we together? Uh, and, and another one, they say, when musicians lack a creativity, there is what we call the truck driver modulation. That means the song, they pretend as if they're resuming a transition, but it's not a transition. They just make it louder. I hope I'm making sense to you. Are we together? They don't change the key. They just make it louder. So even spiritually speaking, when the ministry is about to change, a key, and it's an expectation that at this juncture, the key has got to change. Those that refuse to change the key, they just make their sermon more louder. Are you here, church? Jesus is coming. Oh, yes, we know about that. But uh, before he comes, what happens? Malachi 4. But uh, when they refuse to change, they just make it louder. Jesus is coming. And their song becomes monotonous. It becomes boring to the ear. 
But a good song is what we know that here it will be a high note. Here it will be a low note. And that variation is what makes the music to be melodical to the, to the eardrum. Are we together? And Brother Bram said, we are now in this great symphony. And there is this orchestra playing. And it says within the orchestra, there are high notes. But for you to know that a note has got to be to transition, you must have the music sheet. And not only the music sheet, you must know the composer. Are you together? There is a composer, there is a director, there is the music sheet, and there is an orchestra. And an orchestra is not complete without the composer. Who is the composer? God is the composer. Who is the director? The prophet is the director. Which is the music sheet? The music sheet is the message of the hour. Which is the orchestra? The fivefold ministry is the orchestra. Who is the audience? The church is the audience. But the church must know the composer. The church must know the director. The church must know the music sheet. So that when we go off music sheet, the church must know it's not according to the music notes. And in the end time, we are beginning to see the fivefold ministry that is perverted, that is rising with perverted music sheet. And if the lady does not know the music sheet, you end up dancing to a wrong beat. Are you with me, folks? Brother Branham says in this message, Shalom. He says, paragraph 169, we have these times of symphonies of the symphony of God's way. That the whole drama changes. And by the way, good dancers as well know when the beat changes. And bad dancers, they just move. Whether it is in sync to the beat or out of sync, they don't care. They will even end up sweating and say, what are we are having a good time. Are we together? But a, a, a good dancer is sensitive to the beat. Are we together? When the beat goes faster, you see them, even the dance goes faster. When the beat slows down, they slow down. But a bad dancer, if the beat goes up, he doesn't care. He doesn't know where we increase the momentum or reduce the momentum. That is the church that is without the revelation of the hour. Even when the word of God makes transition or the beat goes faster, they just continue the way they have been continuing. I hope you are with me. It says, you know, you who are interested, listen for, listen for that change. So, Brother Branham started with this symphony, 1947. Goo, goo, goo. Are we together? And we started dancing to the symphony. And as the years go by, 1963, the beat changed. So if you are going to dance to the beat like it was 1947, go, go. You're going to be overtaken by the enemy. Ah, do you get where I'm going, folks? I hope. Where is the drama? Bro, come here. I want you to do something here. Amen. I want you the big drum. Just beat it nicely. Only the big, big drum. 
Can we, can we clap hands to that beat? Go faster. You, you see, those that are melodically inclined, as soon as the men started going slower, they went with the beat. As soon as they went faster, they went faster. Those that did not have an idea, they just continued like when he started. Are you here, church? The people, the full gospel businessmen, they had the first beat. They went with it. But when the prophet changed the beat, they continued, they still wanted him to come and do the miracles. Come with it. Come, church, we want you to join. This is a demonstration. Change it the way you see fit. You can change it faster. Hallelujah! That is how the church of the living God is supposed to be. If the prophet goes faster, we go faster. But why? Your ear must be tuned to listen to the temple. And if your ear is not tuned to the temple, you're going to be left behind. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And there is a spiritual beat going on. God bless you. Amen. Oh, somebody wants to know whether was it part of the message? Yes. He says, he continues, he says, you know, this is the change. He says, he says, you who are interested, listen for that change. You know it's getting close. You hear the way the drums are beating and want something to happen. You know this is a change. It's going to break out into or best in a few minutes. You're watching for it. You can tell the way the drums are timing. Oh God, if you can't hear the drums of the finish now, you can hear the echo of the music of the heavenly way singing itself out. It shall come to pass in the last day. The symphony of God's great drama that he is playing, it changes him. The sympathy at the junction, the composer, those who are interested, listen to the shade. That's all the stuff is to us. We are listening, we are watching. Every time he appears, something happens. We see the time getting close. We see back yonder, not long ago, when that church ages was being drawn out, we were listening. We saw it was right with the wind and beating with the wind. Are we together? Throughout the seven church ages, as it was in the Old Testament, they used to take the lamb and go to the temple and sacrifice the, 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 the lamb. And people will ask for the forgiveness of their sins and the priest will do the sacrificial process. But when the Messiah was, was born, those that had Messiah like Peter, they never went back to the temple because they knew that the beat had now changed. Throughout the seven church ages, God yet had prayers of the saints. People sang great songs. I mean, songs that you'll find that were composed by great singers like Charles Wesley. Amazing song. 
But in the end time, do you know that even some of the songs that used to be popular in yesteryear are not allowed for us to sing today? Yes, there is a song in, in one of the vernacular songs. It says, there are three around the throat. deep. And the latest says, there are three around the throat. You can't sing that song in a message church. Yes, it was good then, because it was partial realization. But in our time, the beat changed. It's a good song, but when we come to that stanza, we do away with that stanza, because why? We were listening to the beat. Are you here, church? So that means you cannot follow the Pentecostal beat in our time. The devil is going to overrun you. You cannot follow Luther's beat in our time. You must know that it was Luther, it was Wesley's beat. Then it became Luther's beat. Then it became Pentecostal beat. But today is the bright beat. And my question, what beat are you listening to today? What tempo are you responding to today? Because we are turning the corner. And as then two people heard him when he said, Behold the Lamb of God. I don't know in the end time how many people will hear him when he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Now it says in this message, or maybe let's go to this scripture, Daniel chapter 9 verse 1. Daniel 9, verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Hasarius, of the city of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years whereof of the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. What does it mean? They were in captivity. And when they were in captivity on the 68th year, while Daniel was searching through the books of Jeremiah, then he came across the writings of Jeremiah, and he realized that actually they are only left with two years in Babylon. But he would have never known about that juncture unless he came in contact with the books of Jeremiah. You would never know what juncture we are facing unless you come into the books of the prophet of your hour. Daniel had to read the spoken word of Jeremiah. And if Daniel needed the spoken word, who are you to say you don't need the spoken word? Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? And it says, in the year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And on that 60, 68th year, Brother Bram said he realized they were only left with two years. Are we together? Now, coming to what he spoke about here in the message, the birth pains, he says, why those blinded Pharisee priests couldn't see that? That was the way it made flesh. For they had wrapped up into a priesthood and a system. Every time when God brings something new, you've got to let go to embrace what God is bringing your way. But the people, they cannot let go. So Brother Brown said the priests could not let go of the priesthood system and as well as the Pharisees. And the old system had to give away. It was the way. But what had been promised had been fulfilled. So if it's fulfilled, it's got to rot away. It's the heart, the seed went on. Do you hear what he's saying? Do you hear what he's saying? It has to rot away. 
if God brings a new season, those that remain with the old system, you'll see them rotting away. Brother Brenham say, if Martin Luther can rise from the dead and look at the young girls in the Lutheran church, he would be ashamed. He said, if Wesley was to rise on the scene and look at the behavior of the Wesleyans, he would be ashamed. If the Pentecostal fathers were to rise from the scene and look at the Pentecostal fathers, the children, they would be ashamed. Because why? You can't expect much because God has moved on. Are you together? That's why if somebody says, I want to go into a Pentecostal church and I want to change them, Oh, goodness. What beat are we following? Malachi for say, come out of them. You will say, we need to go back into them. Hey. Come on. Do you see what is happening in our time? Yeah. Brother, they've got to leave. You cannot change them from the system. They've got to leave the system and come into God's ordained system. Are you here, church? And because over time we try to we try to balance some things and say it will work. Folks, let me tell you something. It won't work. The system is rotten. It will keep on producing rotten results. The only thing you need to step out of the system. Are you here, sisters? It never said we need to go back and try to mingle with them and say we need to influence them. No, no, no. Tell them to come out and not be the partakers of the iniquity. Hallelujah. What makes the church to be called a church? The coming out. Amen. Now, he says, Moses could not have brought Luther's message. Moses could have not brought Noah's message. Imagine after you have been in bondage for almost 400 years, your forefathers were there and they perished, and all of a sudden there comes a man, he says, repent, the flood is coming, and you are in Egypt. That message, no matter how sincere the people can believe that message, that message is not going to help them. What is needed at that point in time is to say, Pharaoh has fallen. Are Are we together? We are now leaving Egypt with our children and our animals. And during the time of Noah, you cannot say, come out of Egypt. There is no Egypt. The flood is coming. Are we together? So every season has its own message. You cannot say during the time of Isaiah and say the Messiah is born. Let us go to worship him. He is not born. So, Brother Abraham said, you must never misplace the weight. You must never misinterpret the weight. You must never misquote to the weight. And in our time, what is the message in our time? Are we together? The message in our time is we are not Pentecostals, folks. We are not Lutherans, folks. We are not Baptist, folks. We are pregnant with the weight of the hour. And why am I keep on saying they will never be our standard? Young ones, are you here? If Pentecostal friend is dating, you must not date. You are not on the same level. You have not believed the same message. You have not come in the same contact with the same Christ. You've got a different Christ. Are you here, folks? And 
we need to teach our children that. That not everyone that befriends you and says, Jesus, Jesus, they really believe Jesus. Actually, I wanted to put the two Jesuses on the, on the wall here, on the, on, the, on, the, on the projector here. Have you ever seen the Catholic Jesus? I can't stand him with his blue eyes. I cannot stand him. But have you ever watched Hoffman? Hallelujah. He is Hoffman. He just brings... Brother Bram say that is the closest depiction of him. When I saw him, he looked exactly like that. Are you here? Email is not coming. Message people, if you've got a Catholic Jesus on your wall in the home, take him away and come to the library and meet Hoffman. We need to change everything. He's got a demonic look, that one of them. How many have ever seen him? I can't stand him. But this one, I see, I say, wow, what a beautiful portrait of my Savior. Even the look, if you, if you look longer enough, you can see the grace. You can see the kindness. Hoffman did a, a splendid job by capturing and depicting him in this way. Amen. Um, I think people have just stepped on people's toes with that other Jesus. Throw him away. Amen. Are we together? Now, Brother Brenham says, Moses could not have brought Noah's message. Neither could Jesus have brought Noah's message because it was another age. When it is another age, we turn the corner. And the old seed was right. It served its purpose and was dead and gone on. The transformation from the old to the new, when the life was at, was what was worrying for the people, what worries them yet today. We are not building a wall like we start off with Luther's message, go right down straight line, or a Pentecostal message. We are turning corners. When you drive on the road, which, which aspect of the road is dangerous? They say sharp curve. That's where you find a lot of accidents there. Anyone can drive from Pretoria to Wheatbank because why? It's a freeway. But at the moment we take you and say you need to drive to Cape Town and go around Chapman's Peak, a lot of cars, what happens there? They roll. Or Mahoba's Kloof in Limpopo. Or the uh, long-term road from Ladinbeck to Nelspray. It has some sharp curves. Are we together? It needs an experience. Even an experience, inexperienced drivers, when they look at that road, they say, mm-mm, me, I'm fine. I drove from Wheatbank here, but now we need another driver. Because why? If they continue, you're going to roll. You need an experienced person. Are we together? So even spiritually speaking, when we find wreckages, it is around the sharp corner. That's where ministries collapse. That's where deception come in. And you as a church, you need to be vigilant and able to turn the corner. And you can never turn the corner unless he, the director, the talk guy, the spirit of the talk guy is in you. Are you with me? We are building. 
God's word is the blueprint. And just another sharp curve. Another sharp curve is marriage. They grow up nicely. Wonderful. But around the marriage corner, we find a lot of wreckages. Because why? The Holy Spirit was not part of the process. And any process that the Holy Spirit is not part of, it brings wreckages. Anybody can run a straight line. But it takes a mason to turn the corner. Hallelujah. You will know around, I think even when we were making alterations to this building, uh, I remember I came here, we had another uh, people that were initially that broke the walls, and I came here. And when I came here, because we wanted the structure to be like this with the beams exposed, when I got here, I found them planning. They were planning that they were going to cut the beams and remove the beams so that the ceiling can be visible. I said, really? I remember, I think I phoned from Panyano Brother Party. We, we fired them on the spot. I actually fired them. <laughs> now, because what is going to carry the structure if you remove the beams? Do you see what cheap labor does? Now, later we found somebody, and this one was a mason. He told us what he's going to do, and he did exactly like that. Are we together? By the way, when I fired them, they were complaining and say, we want to see the pastor of the church. I say, come on Sunday, you will see him. <laughs> Amen. I couldn't say I'm a pastor right today. Amen. I had to give them time. Are we together? Now, we are turning a corner. We are building a building. Anybody can run a straight line. It takes a mason to turn the corner. It takes the power of God to do that. It takes an anointed one from heaven to be sent down to do that. Did you hear him? It has in every age. In the prophet's age, the word of the Lord came through this prophet. And they tented those corners and made those different. The builders wanted to build a straight wall. It's not a straight wall. It's a building, a building of God. Ministers and a fivefold ministry wanted a straight wall. But when the prophet comes anytime, he makes the builders to be comfortable because he says, no, no, the blueprint says we need not to go in the straight wall. We need to turn a corner here. Maybe we need to make it even sharper. Are we together? And for you to do a building, a, a wall that is like, that, that, that is curved, you need a special skill. And even during that time, around the corner, that's where a lot of you fire builders. Because you look at how he's approaching the corner, and you realize that, ah, we're going to have a problem here. Do you understand what you are doing? Are we together? Even the tiling, you know the tiling, some of them, they come quickly with the tiling, and when you look, it is not level, it's not even. Are we together? So that means you need to oversee the work while they are doing it. But for you to know what is expected, you must have a standard. For the church to know what is expected in this hour, the church must know the standard. And where does the standard come from? From the prophet of the hour. And that's why I say you can never bypass the prophet of the hour. He is the one that knows the sharp corner. He is the one that knows what is expected to be done before we exit Egypt. He knows how to prepare the lamb. Are we together? So we've got to be in touch with the prophet. Are we together? It's not enough just to have a pastor. 
I will repeat, it's not enough just to have a pastor. It's not enough just to have the elders in the church. It's not enough just to have the musician. You need the prophet. Because the word of God cometh to the prophet. And the prophet takes the word to the people. I will never worship under a pastor that does not have a prophet. And in this case, the prophet, I'm not referring to Ujiri. I'm referring to a vindicated prophet of God. Vindicated by the pillar of fire. Not gimmicks, folks. I need the one that can say, wait a minute, the angel of the Lord is in the building. I need the one that can be precise when he speaks to the people. I need the one that is not afraid to lose the sponsorship for the sake of the gospel. I need the one that is not interested in monetary value, but is there to preach the way. And he says the truth will make you honest, not popular. That's the kind of prophet that I want. Not a prophet with shiny suits. And white towers. No, no, no. Those are cheap. Not long they follow with the women. But this one, not even a case where he was misrepresented. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Let me just read this quotation, then after I will release you. Amen. He says, in the message, the rapture, he says, we are at a corner. It's easy, and maybe while I'm at it, we are at the corner. And when we are at the corner, misinterpretations of the building do not come when we build the straight wall. They come when we turn the corner. That is where the architect would call the builder. That is where the builder will call the civil engineer. There is a lot of consultation that takes place when the building is about to turn the corner. Because there are complexities there. Even spiritually speaking, these doctrines that you begin to see emerging is because, folks, we are at the corner. At the corner, some want a quicker way out, an easier way out. Some at the corner, they want to know, they want to be diligent about the instructions of the architect. Some would even go an extra mile and say, let's call a civil engineer. But they know that if we don't turn the corner properly, the building inspector can come and say, let's destroy the building. Are, you, are we together? Yeah. Amen. Now it says, we are at the corner. It's easy when somebody turns a brick everybody laying the bricks right down the same row like a certain denomination starts and start rolling down the row but when you get to, the, to them tents you have to turn back the other way God isn't building a wall he's building a house 
And there's many cuts and turns that is predicted in the Bible. When Brother Branham started building the wall, everybody was saying he's a great man. And they wanted to invite him. What a wonderful man of God. And Brother Branham will sponsor your meetings. Men were surrounding him. I mean, when he came to South Africa, the entourage that was there, when he went back to America, when the ministry changed, half of the people that he was with here in South Africa were not part of his entourage anymore. The likes of Brother Baxter. Even the man that wrote the, Bible, the book, A Man Sent From God, when he came to that, they took a back seat. Why? It was turning the corner. When he preached marriage and divorce, I mean, when he performed miracles, the wife of Tommy, of, 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 of Tommy, is it Tommy Hicks? Uh, uh, Tommy Osborne, T.L. Osborne, came and, and said, I reserved the front seat for me and my husband. And my husband, as a superintendent of a denomination around that area, he had to cancel and say, I'm not coming there. I'm going to see what is happening down there. And they came and sat in the front row, and miracles happened. And they were wowed by what they saw. But when the ministry went further, and Brother Brennan began to turn the corner, and began to preach about the serpent sea, the marriage and divorce, they said, that's too much for us. And they went away. But it does not change the fact that those were the mystery truth. The fact of the matter is that they were as a predestinated class of the people that turned the corner with the prophet. And I'm glad to report I'm one of the people that turned the corner with the prophet. Amen. Are we still together? Amen. Now, in closing, we are at the junction time. Listen to the temple and move by the temple. There's got to be a harmony in the orchestra. And the Bible says the spirit and the prophet and the bride will say exactly the same thing. God bless you richly as we stand. worshiping song. How many are redeemed in the building?
redeeming us. Oh 
you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. That's one more. Amen.
God. We just ask your spirit, oh God, to go with us, oh Father. There is a busy week ahead of us in schools, in schools, yes. at work, oh Father. Wherever we go in the walk of life, oh Father, we just pray that the same spirit of God that was, that was here with us now, oh Father, may it preserve us, oh Father, until we meet again. We praise your holy name, Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Amen. Bless you. God bless you, Rishi. I'm a Zula for me. That I shall prosper. The word of God shall never return to him void, but it shall accomplish and prosper to the very thing that he has sent it to. Amen. How many believe heavens have a great? Are we together? Yes. How many believe that heavens have agreed? Yes. 
that forward you go, backwards never. Hallelujah. I always check what are the heavens are saying. If the heavens agree, I don't care what the turtles are saying on the ground. Hallelujah. The only relevant message is for the heavens to tell me, go forward, believer, and I go forward despite what. Are we together? Amen. Can you give us, we are just in a jubilant mood. It's good to be happy when you come from church. It's the most dangerous thing to be depressed while you were in church. Ah, if you can be depressed while you were in church, there is no remedy. When church, when we sing for the Lord, when the word goes forth, arthritis, they, they, they lose power over us. High blood, they drop. Sugar levels, they normalize. Tempers, they get cooled down. There's a lot that happens when the weight goeth forth. You just have to yield yourself to the weight. The weight will achieve the results. If you got another one to send us home, be blessed. All the best for the week. Have a blessed week. It's been a pleasure to minister to you today. God bless you. Yeah. 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 Yeah.